At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. I'm Kristen McGlory, lifelong genius hunter. For a decade, I've been unearthing the recipes that have changed the way we cook. Now, on the Genius Recipe Tapes, we go behind the scenes with the geniuses themselves. This week, at the start of a new year, I can't imagine something that I want to eat more than the warming light chicken soup called Mkrakra from Chef Zoe Ajonio's cookbook, Zoe's Ghana Kitchen, which was just recently updated and re-released in the U.S. But really... This week's Genius Recipe is a twofer, in that it also has a spicy, savory, gingery tomato sauce that you can blitz together in a big batch in the blender and keep on hand in the freezer to jumpstart so many of the Ghanaian recipes in Zoe's book and so much more. Here's Zoe to tell us more about how the sauce originated. Chale sauce, like just to give people context, because chale sauce doesn't exist in Ghanaian cooking mm -hmm. like I've created that name and that, this combination but it's born from this idea that I used to constantly get asked you know what's the holy trinity of Ghanaian cuisine and cooking and um, I always found it quite a hard thing to ask because because of the, the the nature and the size of Ghana but there's always these core ingredients that crop up in almost you know like 95% of recipes you're going to have ginger you're going to have onion you're going to have some heat um, and so I, I kind of, I guess, call this like a, our version mm -hmm. of a sofrito or something. But then this always then comes with tomatoes or, and red pepper blended together, right? So like 90% of the sauces and stews involve this combination of ingredients. So I thought, well, why don't we just make this a thing? Because especially when I was writing a cookbook, because... It's about limiting the barriers for entry to people. Mm. And chale, making this chale sauce was part of the cheat sheet in the book. Again, it's about how do I get people to engage with all these recipes in a way that's fun for them, easy for them, and gets them from A to Z as quickly as possible. So chale sauce was that. And it was something my dad used to always make, um, essentially, at the beginning of like whether he was making red red or whether he was making jollof or whether he was making corn beef stew like even something as simple as corn beef. This, these ingredients always came together in the pot so yeah I just decided to put them all together and kind of make them like a Ghanaian passata um, mm. because also I found that I use that combination of ingredients outside of Ghanaian food all the time because Sarah's Italian Jewish my wife Sarah we eat a lot of Italian food but we would use like chale sauce as the pasta sauce instead of mm -hmm. a normal kind of plain pasta sauce just to have that those spicer notes. It was important for the cookbook that people just had this easy tool to whip out that would help just build flavour into whatever they were cooking in the book. 
and the name comes from my dad's name is Charles and when I was a kid people used to call looking for my dad and they would say is Chale Chale there <laughs> and I thought they were calling him Charlie right so like uh-huh. shortening the name Charles to Charlie which I actually got offended about in my head my dad's <laughs> name was like it's his name's Charles like why are you calling him Charlie do you know what I mean <laughs> I had this like chip on my shoulder about them like lessening or shortening his name but I found out later that Chale means friend it's like pal so when you mm-hmm. say to somebody like oh Chale it's kind of like oh mate oh, you don't say mate mm-hmm. in the states what do you say here um uh, buddy pal yeah mate, you know any kind of friendly vernacular dude, dude. yeah dude <laughs> dude's a good one because you can use it with different tones right because sometimes it'll be oh chale like what have you done and then other times you'll be like hey chale oh yeah you know so like it's just this word is like other human but it's like kind of this really nice friendly word in a way you know so I thought let's make this sauce friendly let's call it chale sauce because then it's like yeah friendly sauce that people can use that's where it comes from mm-hmm. I like that about language when you can mm-hmm. find the like something that conveniently pulls together like a lot of different concepts I liked it for all of those reasons it has it's like a nod to my dad a nod to, to Ghana and it does this work of like bringing to, together some core essential ingredients in terms of stable flavor profiles that you either layer on top of or layer below of in order to create a different dish in the mm-hmm. context of my cookbook anyway. Chale. Chale. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about ease and templates and convenience where possible um, when it comes to getting people to cook because so many people think that they can't cook there's just so many barriers for people sometimes when it comes to food. And I think when you have my job, which is like a chef or a cook, and you're sharing recipes and you're sharing ideas about food, I think it's kind of important to not just do it in a way that is out of reach. You know, mm-hmm. you know let's make it as easy as possible for people to want to, to get involved, especially when it's a new cuisine for lots of people. What are some of the ways that um, you end up using it? You mentioned pasta, but um, just to give listeners a sense of all of the different ways that they might cook with it. Any any way that you would use a passata or mm-hmm. like an Italian tomato sauce or a Middle Eastern tomato sauce, it's just subbing it out for that, really. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can even use it to make... We made a gorgeous tomato soup the other day with it. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> By just roast, we just roasted fresh tomatoes as like an extra tomato component and added some garlic and then had this really gorgeous, lightly spiced tomato soup, meatball sauce, lasagna, you know, tagines, things like that. If you're making tagines of things um, from the book itself, this, I mean, the, the chale sauce will be referenced probably, I don't know, 30 times in the mm-hmm. book because there's so many recipes that use it. I think the idea is I want to encourage people to be creative when they're exploring flavour. I mean, even on a pizza, for God's sake, like, where do I normally use a tomato sauce that doesn't have that much? Like, it's there because it's supposed to be there in the recipe, but it might not be the most flavourful part of the recipe, you know. Um, And this replacing your ordinary tomato sauce with this especially if you're feeding other people because they're going to be like oh wow like what happened <laughs> like, what mm-hmm. kind of tomato sauce is this <laughs> and it's going to make you look quite good 
but you've just blended a load of things together, right? And mm-hmm. it hasn't been very much hard work for you to inject a lot of extra flavour into the thing, whatever the thing ends up being, you know? Hey, it's Kristen. If you're enjoying this chat with Zoe as much as I did, head over to the Genius Recipe Tapes and hit follow so you don't miss out on other conversations like this one. And like our recent episode with Jesse Sevchek, author of the new cookbook, Cookies the New Classics, with so many cookie tips and what really happens when you're writing a baking cookbook. In the second half of this episode, Zoe will tell us more about the genius of Nkrakra, light soup with chicken and the magical memory of tasting it at a chop bar in Accra that you wanted to recreate with this version. Meet you back here for that. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. This chicken soup, the light chicken soup, do you remember the first time that you tasted it? Like, how has it factored into your life? I don't think I can remember the first time I tasted it in my childhood, but I remember the first time I had it back in Ghana in 2013. There's a really great joint, actually, in Osu called Pieces Chop Bar, and she is known for her light soup, but she does like a goat light soup, a chicken light soup, a fish light soup. She has all of the light soups. But it's a very, very spicy, hot um, broth, essentially, um, with with proteins in it, right? And I remember having her light soup for the first time and, like, it touching my lips and my lips kind of... They probably were swelling, like, to the... It felt like they were going, like, cartoon (laughs) big, you know, like, blowing up, like, (laughs) like, the heat was, like going from my lips all over my face (laughs) but it was a glorious heat for me like it was Mm -hmm. it was so I don't know it was just so beautiful and I couldn't like get it inside me I just couldn't eat it fast enough um Mm -hmm. and it was just delicious and then like to have the fufu there as well and you know like putting your fingers into fufu and scooping up pieces of chicken of the sauce and you know swallowing it like they call them swallows is like to flick it into your mouth the combination of the soft fufu and that spicy broth going down your throat it's just an amazing experience that's what I want for people right is to try and give them something as close to that experience as possible and also knowing that outside of the diaspora I mean even in the diaspora honestly when it comes to people who've been brought up in the UK or brought up in the States for example they might not be as acclimatized to traditional heat levels as they 
would otherwise be, right? So it's then how do I recreate this dish, but in a way that as many people will be able to try it as possible because not everybody's going to want that kind of insane heat. I grew up with food that hot because my dad ate food, like very, very hot, spicy food, so I did. So my palate is really used to that and I love it. Um, but not everybody did. So they have different temperatures, different controls on their palate. And so this is a very, from the book, the Kaka Light Soup is very, very warmly spiced, you know. So mm-hmm. there is robust heat in there. Most of the heat, mm-hmm. because again, and this is the nature of layering in different heat at different points of cooking. So there's heat in the tomato sauce, right? But there's also heat underneath it. And then there's a different kind of heat from spe- just piercing a scotch bonnet and allowing it to sit in that for a while. All of those different combinations, like to, to the reader or to the listener right now, it might be like, wow, that sounds like an insane amount of heat. I couldn't possibly try that. But they have different effects and do different things. And so what happens is you get this warmness in your mouth, like a tingling warm, but then you also get this kind of mm-hmm. slow rising heat coming up from the bottom of your stomach that kind of just... It's like you can feel the energy going through all of your um, body. (laughs) It's almost meditative. I don't know. It's hard to describe. But it's not overpowering. It's like that. It's just this lovely, slow, warm, rising heat. And then like you should probably expect a little tingling in your mouth and on your lips. But it shouldn't be like, I can't like speak hot, you know. (laughs) Um, so I'm trying to get people close to that experience without them exploding their heads with heat. And, you know, the reason that I love this dish as well is because it's such a universal concept. Like light soup with chicken is very much for me like, you know, matzo ball soup or chicken soup, Jewish chicken soup or any other like he- all cultures have this kind of healing hot chicken light soup that is ch- economical to make and easy to bulk out right in this recipe we bulk it out with sliced cabbage but you could add potatoes or sweet potatoes or any kind of seasonal veg you wanted to and I love that about it because also it shows people the connections we have in in food culture like we we tend to all have a dumpling we tend to all have a version of a donut we tend to all have a certain type of bread or a flatbread you know like there's lots and lots of things Mm -hmm. we have in common cross-culturally with food that people might not think about unless we talk about it and share the recipes for that what you're describing with that warming sensation Mm. from all directions I just can't imagine anything I would want more in January because you know not just from from like a a comfort standpoint from a a warmth during a cold Mm. time standpoint but also just the energy that you know that hot food can give you there's so much health in the bowl of food as well. That's the other thing. It's sustenance and it's nourishment, but it's also very healthy for you and just good for your soul, essentially, right? Because some food does that too. It's just like, it just makes you feel good and that's enough, mm-hmm. even if that's all it did. <laughs> but yeah, this like, yeah, a light soup in January is like the perfect kind of cosy, easy meal and again something you can batch cook on a Sunday and have it again Wednesday and mm-hmm. have it and it will taste better obviously two days later um, and in my, my house growing up we used to leave a pot on the stove for two or three days until it was done but it always tasted better a day later and even better again two days later if there were any left so yeah January light soup is an excellent excellent call I think it's perfect perfect weather for it mm-hmm. 
and then make a big batch of the sauce and you can have more light chicken soup or a zillion other things. What's beautiful about light soup as well, like one of the ingredients which I know people might not necessarily be able to access or they think they can't, right? Or they have a barrier to it is red palm oil because it doesn't have this great mm. narrative, right? In, um, in recent years because of sustainability issues around farming it because a lot of big company have moved into the space of you know mass production of ingredients like palm oil in really unsustainable ways which has been created deforestation which has created displacement for orangutans and other wildlife which is incredibly problematic for ecosystems and for sustainability reasons you know inherently Ghanaians farming red palm oil for centuries haven't been doing that right it's these other companies that come into territories and then give it the whole thing gives, gets a bad name. And I guess I want to defend that, our right to use red palm oil and our, our right to farm it, right? It is a really beautiful ingredient and it has like this gorgeous butteriness to it. Like at room temperature, it solidifies like coconut oil. And so you see this beautiful buttery texture to it and it just has this amazing earthiness. Like it tastes like a beautiful forest or something. It's... um. It's a really hard flavour to replicate when you're trying mm. to sub out recipes. And inherently, if I'm, I mean, I'm always encouraging my customers as much as possible to buy black and buy mm-hmm. black African owned in particular when it comes to these ingredients. So I was spending all this time evangelising about all of these ingredients. Then at the same time, not being able to include them in recipes because editors would be saying people won't be able to get that. People have never heard of that. Like it's too niche it's too narrow and at the same time realizing that all of this promotion of the ingredients wasn't bringing any money back to Africa in fact it was only (laughs) leaving room for white companies to go and monetize that ingredient in place of the local producers in place of these small farms and co-ops and small holdings so I wanted to close that gap. For the re-release you updated several of the recipes Mm. to use more original ingredients and less substitutions. Would you like to talk a little bit about that and explain why that was important for you to do? I had the opportunity basically with this edition because I had the time and the space, or I created the time and the space rather, to, to go back through the book and be like, what did I take out that I would rather have not have? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, about 70 of the recipes actually, I went through and adjusted them to... A, where I am as a cook now and in my process and where there was maybe a way to do something better, faster, easier to do that for people to make it a better recipe. Um, And also to bring back some more of the indigenous flavours that I felt really sang. Not that there was anything wrong with the recipes because, you know, I put a lot of work into that first book and making sure they were still good recipes. But now they're good recipes that are great because they have these really particular ingredients back in there that I feel like do the magic of a flavour enhancement, you know. Um, And because in the pivot over the last two years, due to the pandemic, um, of having a spice shop, it's like, well, you know, if people say they can't get this, they're lying because I can give it to them, you know. I, I have created a space where people can find the recipe and the ingredient in the same place. Right. So there's no Mm -hmm. reason for them not to cook it that way. And I deliberately made sure that those if there are kind of 
very unusual spices in it, like the grains of psyllium, like dawa dawa. There are plenty of examples in the book. There's plenty of recipes that use those ingredients so that you're not buying it mm-hmm. and then it's going to sit in your cupboard after you've used it once. It's like you're going to buy it and you can use it 10, 15 times because there's plenty of recipes here for you to play with. And then beyond that, once you've got used to using it here, what else could you do with it, you know? I know you haven't heard of this before, but it's worth you investigating it. These ingredients are much more easily easy to find, generally speaking. So I want people as much as possible to do that little extra step and to use that ingredient because it will be worth it. They will learn something. They will learn something about flavour. They will taste something delicious and it will give them like a new tool in their kitchen toolbox, you know. I really appreciate you encouraging people to seek out these ingredients and, and not going for quick substitutions because I... I'm so happy I have the grains of psyllium in my pantry now. It, like you said, it, it feels like a very irreplaceable flavor and one that I wouldn't have experienced if I hadn't tried to seek them out. And the fact that you are supplying them means that we have a source that we can go to that we can trust and we know that it's um, it's coming from the right place. It's a really exciting time to be a chef in this space, to be honest, because or to be anything in this space. It's a really exciting time to just be somebody who eats food <laughs> because so much is, is going to come, you know. There's so much that's going to come that people don't know about yet. Um, and I think that's really cool. Thanks for listening. And my thanks to Zoe Ajonio, chef and author of the book Zoe's Ghana Kitchen. Zoe also has an online store of the same name, zoesgonakitchen.com, where you can order single-origin, responsibly-sourced ingredients directly from Ghana. Zoe also shared with us some of her favorite West African Black women-owned businesses to support. You can check those out in our show notes. This week's show was put together by Amy Schuster, Harry Sultan, and Emily Hanhan. And it was our last episode working with Coral Lee, the mastermind behind this podcast and the entire Food52 podcast network since we launched them in 2020. I will miss her, and we will all miss her very much. You can follow along with her adventures at Nice Dream Ices on Instagram, because among her many talents, she is launching an ice cream business in the California desert. If you discover something genius in your New Year's cooking, I would always love to hear from you at genius at food52.com, or just tag me on Instagram at McGlorious. And if you like the Genius Recipe Tapes and the Food52 Podcast Network, the very best thing that you can do to support us and to help other people find the show is to take a moment to leave us a five-star rating or review. Or send this episode to someone who would love a warm, cozy hug and the energy that a recipe and conversation like this one can bring them. Thanks so much. Talk to you next week.